Performance is the smartest solution in the universe for men dealing with erectile dysfunction, or ED. So, we hired an equally smart guy who knows a thing or two about the universe to explain our treatment. An astrophysicist. Peak Performance. Hi, I'm an astrophysicist. What makes Peak Performance the smartest ED solution is that it uses a revolutionary process called focused linear compression therapy. These short, comfortable treatments involve no pain, no surgery, no side effects, and are effective for over 80% of men. Peak Performance. Very smart. Call Peak Performance today at 1-800-210-8181 for a free blood flow evaluation. That's 1-800-210-8181. Call 1-800-210-8181 or visit peakperformanceformen.com. Peak Performance. Man at his peak. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And good evening, one and all. Welcome back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's also a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. If you'd like to uh, send me an email, xzone at com on all social media sites, TV. Now, for all the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the broadcast schedule for the Exxon TV channel on SimulTV, go to simultv.com. And in the search engine, simply put Xzone. My guest this hour is Robert uh, Robinson. We're going to be talking to Robert about cryptozoology. And Robert's interest in cryptozoology began in 1974 at a drive-in theater with the movie Legend of Boggy Creek was being shown. The whole idea of monsters roaming parts of the world scared Robert, but also intrigued him. Rob uh, started researching the subject by reading books by Ivan T. Sanderson, uh, John Keel, and Peter Byrne. His fascination for the unexplained was further uh, fueled with the television series In Search Of and a visit uh, to the now-closed World of the Unexplained Museum in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Joining me now is Robert Robinson. And Robert, welcome back to the Exxon. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Uh, great having you with us. Um, 
for those listeners who may who have joined us since the, you were last with us, tell us a little bit more about your interest in cryptozoology. Uh, well, it's uh, it's something I like. I said uh, I've been into since I was a kid. And, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, but in in when I was in uh, you know middle school, if I had to do a book report, I would simply pull up one of those books by Ivan T. Anderson or or John Keel, and it was kind of a guaranteed A on a book report. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but this, uh, you know, I've, I participated in a couple, you know, um, I think my first real monster hunt or, uh, looking for a, uh, a cryptid was when my mother took me to uh, Loch Ness back in 1975. And I mean, I grant you we're only up there for two hours, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it definitely left an impression on me. Um, you know, in high school, I remember, uh, taking my friends over to, uh, uh, to go look for Momo, the uh, Missouri Bigfoot, mm-hmm. which we didn't really plan that one out all the too well, and we didn't take <laughs> the necessary uh, equipment and supplies that we needed, and it, it turned out to be kind of a disaster. But it, yeah. you know, it was kind of it was fun out looking for it. Um, and you know, I, going in the military, I didn't have too you know, I, I did a lot of reading, but I didn't do too much into it. But when I retired in 2003 and moved to Florida, I Fully jumped in to the uh, the whole uh, search for Bigfoot, or here in Florida they call it the skunk ape. So tell me, if uh, in all the years that you've been searching for Bigfoot or skunk ape, have you seen him? Have you had encounters, or have you come even close? Well, I have a couple times. I, I believe I've, I've come up close. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Back in 2012, I had a hunter who saw it and actually took a video uh, Thanksgiving morning. And uh, he came two weeks later and told us, uh, me and the wife about it. We went out there right. and uh, showed me the area. Well, I did a little map search and looked at the you know direction this animal was going. And I went out and put some trail cams. Well, uh, I went out, um, I think it was a week later, and I took my wife and my son and my daughter. And we went down... Uh, me and my son walked down this path to get the uh, trail cam and we heard something screaming at us and walking through the swamps and whenever we would stop it would stop and then uh my son had some night vision goggles and i took the night vision goggles looked over and saw something you know that was standing i'd say approximately eight foot tall in the in the wood line Mm. glowing eyes now i didn't see an outline of the uh, whatever it was but i did see the glowing eyes and i only saw it with the night vision um and again, it was making some screaming noises. And again, you know, I know what a raccoon sounds like. I know what a, a panther sounds mm-hmm. and I know what a bear sounds like. And I, I don't know what it was that night. But it was enough to where my son, who really doesn't believe in it, it rattled him that night. And uh, we end up, you know, because I didn't I didn't take any supplies with me because I was simply going to go retrieve the trail cam and come right back. And I didn't have my bear mace with me. We went ahead and went about right back to the Jeep, and my wife and daughter heard it screaming, and they had, mm. <laughs> they immediately were sitting in the Jeep waiting for us. Um, again, this happened in 2012. Later, when I was um, out with Stacy Brown and his uh, group up in the um, up near uh, uh, Tallahassee, we uh, were out one night, and we had broke into groups, and uh, we came up to a, a clearing. And uh, we heard some rustling going on, and I lifted up this thermo, and I could see something or someone standing out in the middle of this palmetto field. Hmm. And the first thing popped in my head was, oh, we, it's a poacher, because we were told by the uh, 
the uh, owner of the property to watch out. He had, you know, he had some poaching going on. So again, that first thing popped in my head was it was a poacher. And I handed the uh, thermal over to Stacy. I said, hey, there's somebody standing out in the middle of that field over there. And Stacy brought it up and whatever it was took off running. And I mean, it was just like it was gone. And we walked out there and we could see where it was that had been standing out there because it had pushed some stuff down. But unfortunately, with the uh, all the palm trees and all the area, we, there was no prints. But I went back over to where I was standing and I knew exactly where I was standing because there was a broken tractor there. And uh, we had another gentleman go stand out there in the area where we think it was standing. And uh, David, David Lowers, and that gentleman's name, stands exactly six foot tall. And, what, and I could barely see David, and I remember clearly seeing whatever was standing over there. And I remember thinking, it reminded me of the outline of Captain Kirk whenever he beamed himself down. Yes, yes. That little statue, that look that he has. But I remember thinking that in the back of my head. I said, that's what he, you know. And, uh, you know, later we had an incident where we had seen it, or I should say a friend of mine saw something poking his head up this dry uh, creek bed. Right. We got up and ran down to it, and we heard it run off. Well, we had another team on top of the hill, and they took off running after it. Well, my wife calls me up. She was staying in a cabin up in this area near not too far, and she says, hey, are you guys up near the cabin? And I said, yeah, because I thought that's where I saw Brandon and his group run up. Well, Brandon come walking back down later, and he said, oh, man, we lost it. I said, yeah, I know my wife called me or texted me. She heard you guys about the cabin. He goes, we were never ever at the, you know, we weren't at the cabin, dude. We went in a different location. I said, my wife hears something walking around outside the cabin. So we quickly ran up there real quick. And uh, as we got up there, whatever it was took off running. And my wife, you know, opened the door and said, what's going on here? What's up? What's who's running around? And we told her what happened. And of course, she says, OK, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> Listen, with all the experience that you've had with Bigfoot, doing the research for Bigfoot over the Skunk Cape, what do you think Bigfoot is? Um, now, my humble opinion, again, I'm not an anthropologist yeah. or uh, I, have any, I do not have any kind of degree sure. in that kind of field. But from what I'm looking at, and again, going off the sightings that I've been recording, it looks like some kind of a, a, a primate-type creature. Really? Again, I'm going off sightings, you know, and how it was described. And, you know, I had one lady who was in a tree stand, fell asleep, woke up, and the thing was looking up. And she commented, even in her panic, that she had a very human face look on it, to it. Excuse me. Unbelievable. Listen, uh, you and I have to uh, take our first break, uh, Robert. Thanks so much for coming back on and uh, sharing with us. We're going to be talking to you later on, not only about more about cryptids, but we're going to be talking to you about the books that you've published, including uh, Legend Tripping, The Ultimate Adventure, as well as your new book that's coming out. So Exonation, Robert Robinson is my guest this hour, and Rob was uh, talking about In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And of course, on the Exxon TV channel, we feature all 143 episodes of In Search Of. In fact, we are going to be working with the In Search Of people with a brand new trailer and tale to the existing In Search Of's that Leonard Nimoy uh, hosted. It's going to be called In Search Of Then and Now. Much more about this as we get into production, and we'll be able to spill the beans a little bit more about who, what, when, where, why, and how. 
This is the Exxon. I am Rob O'Connell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And I'd like to say hello to all the new listeners and viewers that we have in Los Angeles, California, who listen to us and watch us on HDTV 55. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back, everyone. Robert Robinson is my guest this hour. His Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Robert Robinson Legend Tripper. And uh, Robert has written for numerous magazines to include uh, Cryptid Culture and World Explorers magazine. Robert published his book, Legend Tripping, The Ultimate Adventure in 2016. And it was published by Adventures Unlimited Press. And he has a new book coming out. And we're going to be talking to Robert about that new book a little later in this hour. Uh, Robert... With every, with all the trail cams that are out there, with all the webcams that are out there, how come there hasn't been, in your opinion, that all-conclusive photo of Bigfoot? Well, when it comes to trail cams, what I think is that the animals know they're there. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if these animals can, you know, because I do know their senses are very acute, mm -hmm. if they can hear them or if the, the, the uh, trail cams are given off some kind of a human scent. But for some reason, they do seem to know they're there from what I've seen. And I, I, I still put out trail cams. I've been trying to put them up a little higher up in the uh, trees than mm -hmm. uh, we normally do in hopes that maybe they can't hear them or see them. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, there has, you know, the, the people have actually had some luck. I've seen some um, where some people have actually seen it with some drones. Really? You know, yeah, a couple of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but again, back to your question, I, somehow they, they can see them. I remember there was a video not too long ago where uh, a scientist put a uh, trail cam and uh, around some uh, some apes, some chimps. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, and he had it all covered up in disguise, and the chimps went right over to it. So they Good knew real. it was there. So, so it would seem know, that whatever's it's, out there knows it's there. It would seem that Bigfoot is very intelligent. 
Well, I've always said that these are, and I always t tell people when we're out looking for them, mm -hmm. you can't treat this like a, a stupid animal, like a bear or uh, you know any other. Right. I mean, let's be real. You know the, you know, you know what? Uh, what's the smartest animal in the world? The one that's uh, the the one that avoids humans. You know, so true. And true. Um, you know. Uh, you know, they do have a, a sense of reasoning. Mm -hmm. You know, they do know to stay away from humans for the most part. Um, and, you know, they, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, they do seem to show a higher uh, degree of intelligence than, you know, any normal animal out there. There seems to be new speculation within the paranormal community and even some of the UFO groups that there's a connection between Bigfoot and UFOs. What is your opinion on that hypothesis? I have heard that. I've actually had some people, you know, relate some stories to mm -hmm. me. I myself have never seen any evidence just to, to, to have that. But, you know, I always tell everybody, you know, I keep an open mind, right. you know, but not so open that my brain falls out. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I mean, I do listen to people's stories. Yeah. And, I, I, but I, you know, me personally, until I see... You know, a, 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 a unknown craft come down and then a, a large hairy creature come out of it. I'm, I'm still going to treat it as a flesh and blood yeah. creature of, uh, of this planet. I, I think that that connection comes from the Star Wars movies where Chewbacca, you know, resembles for all sense and purposes a Bigfoot. And, yes. You know, I, I think this is where it all started because we had our research people try and find out any correlation to Bigfoot UFOs prior to the Star Wars uh, trilogies, and they couldn't find any. Well, there was a uh, lady back in the 60s and 70s, mm -hmm. Ramona Clark Hebner, down here in Florida. In fact, she was one of the first really serious uh, investigators down here, really did some outstanding research. Um, she died in 1986. And a lot of her research went to John Green. But in one of the articles I read that she did notice there was some, you know, some correlation yeah. when people were seeing a UFO later on, they were seeing a, a Bigfoot. Now, again, she didn't see anything, yeah. but she did make a, a point of, of putting that in her, one of her articles. Robert, what can you tell us about Bigfoot, about his habits, his habitat, the lifestyle of a Bigfoot? <laughs> Well, I can't ever say I'm an expert on Bigfoot. And I always say there's no such thing as an expert on Bigfoot. If you were an expert, I mean, like Jane Goodall is an expert on apes. The That's reason right. is you could go up to Jane and say, hey, could you show me some gorillas? And Jane can show you some gorillas. Right, exactly. You know, if you come up to me and say, Rob, you're an expert on Bigfoot, show me some Bigfoot. I can't show you a Bigfoot. I mean, I can I can tell you where I, I, I you know, I definitely consider myself a top researcher. Mm -hmm. And I go off of uh, uh, sightings, but as far as the, uh, you know, what I believe this animal is uh, pretty much um, nocturnal. And I think that's mostly because of security reasons that it right. can move around without being detected. Uh, it, uh, you know, here in Florida, it gets more active as it gets colder during the colder months. And I attribute that to the fact of the weather. Um, you know, one of the differences between the... Uh, Skunk Ape here in Florida and the Bigfoot or Sasquatch located on the western west coast, as the uh, the Bigfoot seems to have a, a bigger mass muscle mass than the uh, Skunk Ape here in Florida, which seems to be leaner. I would imagine that has something to do with the climate that the Bigfoot yeah, on the west. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. In fact, one lady even sense. said she described it, it looked like Bigfoot who after he'd been to the gym. Hmm. <laughs> what is your opinion of uh, the uh, the Gimlin Patterson film? 
my own opinion yeah. is I, I think they got lucky and actually saw a photo, uh, filmed a real Bigfoot or an unknown cryptid creature. Right. Um, I think the fact that uh, the uh, smell of the horses threw the animal off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because when they, if you see this story, the thing was, uh, you know, was bent over drinking out of a, uh, uh, a creek and, and it, you know, they surprised it. I believe if they had been walking around on foot, you know, they would have, probably would have, it or Patty, as they call it, would have got a whiff of them versus the horses and probably would have, you know, taken off sure. out of the area. But I think uh, Roger got lucky. I think he did. And I think he actually, uh, what he filmed is a uh, is a real creature and not a man in a, or a person in a suit. I had the opportunity of uh, sharing an hour with uh, M.K. Davis uh, a couple of weeks ago. And in fact, if you go on to our archives, you can listen to that interview. And it was uh, quite interesting how he how he enhanced every uh, frame of that film, you know, frame by frame by frame by frame, until that he was able to enhance it to the the footage that we all see today. What would you well, do? What would oh, you do? What would you do if you were out in Florida? By the way, what what do you guys in Florida consider cold? Oh goodness. Um... <laughs> Hey, don't Anything below fifty degrees. Oh well, you're talking. You're talking to a guy up here in Canada. You know where, where cold to us is anything less than you know, zero is cold, and then it goes to minus fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. Oh, maybe no, that's, we don't get any of that. <laughs> maybe that's why we have no Bigfoot around here. Maybe right, Craig. I, I mean, besides your mother-in-law, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you do if you and your son? By the way, I love the I love the the fact that you are very family orientated and that you you know you take pride in bringing your family along with you. I think that's wonderful. What would you do if you and your son were on a trail and you saw a Bigfoot? What would uh, you do? Well, I would I, if I have my camera mm -hmm. or whatever, I'm definitely going to start filming it. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to keep filming it. And hopefully this animal is not aggressive. It's just going to, you know, which a lot of reports uh, around here, it's not. It just kind of sees you, stares at you, and, and walks off or, uh, or runs off. But I'm going to sit there and, and just, just enjoy the moment. And I, you know, and I go back to that gentleman I told you who saw it on Thanksgiving. Yes. And listen to his story and mm -hmm. just uh, excitement and, uh, you know, the, you know, just that he got to see something that nobody else has really gotten to see. So you know, far. and he really takes it that way, and I, I and I just I was really envious of him to, to have that feeling to actually see this creature. Maybe someday you will, my friend. Well, you know they say you know persistence pays off, and uh, it always I'm has. I keep doing it till I see it. <laughs> there you go. Um, what advice would you give to people who are wanting to go into the woods and look for Bigfoot or the skunk ape? Uh, well, it's kind of funny because that's pretty much what I put in my book, too. I go over because I have dealt with people. I've taken people out Bigfoot hunting. And I've, I've had people who've gone out there without, you know, taking the proper equipment. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you do go out, mm -hmm. don't just assume it's a day trip, you know, and take a camera and uh, that's it. You know, always pack like you're going to be going overnight. Be prepared. Yes. Always take some because what happens if you go out there and get lost? Now you've turned a... A uh, a monster hunt into mm -hmm. a survival situation. Yeah, or you get uh, out there and you and you accidentally hurt yourself and you're unable yes. to to do things. Or, you know, there's so many things, and we've got to take our commercial break in about a minute. So we're going to come back and talk to you about your new book as well as some of the 
some of the tips that you have for would-be Sasquatch researchers like yourself who's had, who has many years' experience. And Exonation Robert has written for numerous magazines, and uh, he's he's got a great book entitled, uh, in fact, last time he was on the show, we talked about Legend Tripping, The Ultimate Adventure. And we're going to be talking to Robert about his new book when we come back from this break, after all. These, you know, this is one of the greatest mysteries that we have. Here we are living, coinciding with a creature that is so elusive. Like, I don't even think live PD would be able to find Bigfoot. You know? I, I really think that this is one of the greatest mysteries we have present day that has been with us for years and years and years. So when we come back, we're going to be talking to Robert about his new books and he's going to give us some tips on what to do and what not to do when you're going out looking for Bigfoot. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Um, all right, my producer tells me that I should spill a few of the beans on the In Search of Then and Now. Yes, I've been asked to be the host for the, for the show. And we're looking forward to working with people and the cast of crew of the original in search of, and that should be airing, uh, let me see, May, I believe. Yeah, Steve Benedict, my good buddy, is the director and senior producer on the shoot. So we're going to have a lot of fun, and I'll keep you guys abreast because the XO Nation comes first. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back, uh, one and all. This is the excellent I am, Rob McConnell. My guest this hour is Robert Robinson. And if you'd like to check out Robert's website, uh, his Facebook page, I should say, it's Robert Robinson Legend Tripper. And Robert, what are some of the tips that you would give to people? I mean, besides going out, being prepared for any, any eventuality that might occur, don't look at it as uh, a day trip, but prepare for, you know, goodness knows what. What are, what's some of the equipment that these people should take with them? Well, one thing I especially I want to say, don't go out in the woods by yourself. Good idea. You always go as a team. Mm -hmm. um, some of the equipment that I like to take out with me are a, a thermal. And nowadays you can get them at pretty cheap. In fact, if you go on eBay, there's always somebody selling a thermal at a really good price. And there's different. There's two different kind of out there. Um and some of them are really actually pretty good, and you can actually videotape with them. Uh, night vision. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all kinds of night vision uh, uh, devices you can get out there nowadays. Um, definitely take a flashlight. <laughs> and definitely take some kind of a camera of some sort. If you have a camera that has night vision capability, that's even better. 
Um, I always say take a you know a cell phone yeah. and or a, a charger with you because mm-hmm. sometimes we end up using the cell phone because uh, we use the GPS on the cell phone. Yeah. Um, when it comes to do's and don'ts, sorry, we we've, we've got the equipment. What are some of the do's and the don'ts? Okay, uh, do uh, always be prepared. Like I yeah. said, always make sure. You take out ample water. Always make sure you got a first aid kit. Yes. Um, always have backup uh, flashlight. Mm-hmm. I always usually go out with two, sometimes three flashlights. Um, don't uh, don't trespass. If it, if you know you're going to an area where it's trespassing, don't go because the, I tell you, you get fined. You know, it it, it can get kind of expensive. Um, and uh, you know, I it's one of the one item I always take with me is bear base. Um, you know, some people like to take firearms with me uh, with them out there. I don't take firearms. I take bear mace because bear mace works on everything, from snakes to panthers to uh, bears to uh, who knows, even maybe Bigfoot. You know. <laughs> wow. But uh, um, I always like I said the biggest thing, and I guess it's part of my military. You know, I was in the military for. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 20 years is and one thing I hated is when you didn't bring the right equipment or with you and you were kind of stuck out there and you know it can pretty much you know you know end in a you know a, a whole trip if you don't bring out what you're supposed to and you know I said don't you know push yourself past your limits I've seen some people go out there where we've had to pretty much almost carry them back to the Ooh. car because they, you know, they push themselves bad, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, you got to know your limitations yep. out there. You know, if you're not physically fit, you need to, you know, you yeah. know, I've had some people who aren't physically fit or had some kind of medical additions in, uh, and they thought, well, I can't go out Bigfoot hunting because I said, not necessarily, you know, you can go what they call car camping, where you go find an area where this thing's been seen and you can put up a tent and stuff near your vehicle. Right. To the best of your knowledge, has anyone ever been attacked by a Bigfoot? Well, the only uh, story that I, I know was happened back in uh, 1916 up in the uh, Okefenokee Swamp at the border of Georgia and Florida. And I'm going to try and tell this story real quick. Okay. Some settlers, uh, two of them came down with an Indian guide. They found some tracks. Mm-hmm. Then they heard some screams, and they decided to get the heck out of Dodge and went back up there, told the rest of the people... Some people came down, I believe there was eight or nine of them, came down to the site. Well, that night they heard screaming. Well, they started firing into the, the, the woods, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this big hairy creature, which they state was not a bear, came out and killed about three of the people. Oh, and in geez. fact, the story goes that it, 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 uh, it, it screwed their heads off. Ooh. Grabbed them and just, yeah. Um, finally, you know, after enough shooting, um, the animal finally went down, and they they said they measured, and it was 13 feet tall, which I um, I don't think they probably did their measurements right. But after they were debating what to do, they heard some more screaming, and mm-hmm. they said, "Oh God, there's more of these things," and they hogtailed it back up to their settlement back up in Georgia. My God, I would imagine it's also a very good idea to when you're going out. To go with somebody who has actually done this before. Well, um, I, I say that a lot of times. You yeah. know, when in my book, I said, "Hey, you know, just get online and find some teams that go out here." I right. mean, there's Bigfoot groups in every state, and I mean that uh, mm-hmm. like 
I think that there may not be one in Hawaii, but <laughs> but every place else there is, and they are all, very inviting people. You just find out when they're going yeah. out, ask to come out with them, and and more or less they'll let you come out, and you know you'll come out and they'll tell you everything. They'll show you what to look for, and they'll show you some of their equipment, and a lot of times they'll let you use some of their equipment. Because the ultimate goal is to find Bigfoot. And the more people you have looking, the more likely you are to actually find the evidence and the proof that will once and for all satisfy one and all that Bigfoot is real. I think it's going to happen. I think, yeah. with, you know, we definitely have a lot more people out in the woods looking than we did back in the days, you know, when Roger Patterson was out with Bob Gimlin. Yes. And uh, I think eventually uh, somebody's going to, it's going to be a payoff, you know. Um, I mean, I'm one of those people that I don't believe in shooting this animal. I understand science needs a specimen to verify its its existence, but uh, it's you know I always say if somebody's going to kill one, it's not going to be me. Well, plus, who uh, says science has to have a dead one? Yeah. Well, I always yeah. make, you know I joke around and say you know if I'm walking in the woods and I happen to walk across one that has died of natural causes, you know, you know I'm definitely not going to leave it there. I'm going to load it up in the back of my vehicle, go find me the first Wendy's restaurant because Wendy's has gigantic uh, refrigerators, and stick it in there. <laughs> And then I'm going to call, call uh, you know, Dr. Jeff Muldrum and yeah. all these other guys. Hey, get down here and see this thing before the government takes it away from me. Why, why, you just said something very interesting. Before the government takes it away from me. Why do you think their government would take it away from you? Well, it's an unknown species of animal. You know, I mean, I think of any unknown species of animal, they would come take it away from you. I mean, it's just, I mean, if you're uh, like in uh, here in Florida, if you come mm -hmm. across a dead panther... And you call, they will come get that panther. Okay, I can, I can understand that. I mean, okay, I'm, you know, I realize a panther is something we verify that we do know exists, yeah. but I just can't, they're darn sure not going to let me keep it. You know, because I mean... Oh, I, I, I thought that you, you were alluding that there's a conspiracy for the government to suppress the information that Bigfoot would actually be alive, uh, be a real, a real uh, cryptid. Well, I mean, I, I've never, I have... I have heard some stories from some people where mm -hmm. they were, you know, who work in the fish and wildlife, and they were told that, you know, if they do get some kind of a sighting, there's a, they have to make a phone call, and yeah. some people come down and verify if it is real or just a, a bear or something. Um, and it pretty much when they show up, it's kind of out, almost like that whole men in black type yeah. thing. Uh, but what what about these uh, these other organizations? For example, Tom Biscardi has to be one of the greatest hoaxers around when it comes to Bigfoot, and the, you've got that group. I uh, I forget where they are. Where they actually go out hunting with the purpose of of shooting and killing a Bigfoot on TV. What does this do to the mm -hmm. credible research society and the different research organizations who are out there to prove the existence of this creature? Well, I mean, I, I I do know some investigators that do believe in in, in killing one of these animals. Again, it's uh, that's not me. Yeah. Um, I do understand. Again, science is going to need a specimen of this animal to verify just what it is, and you know, like any other animal we discover, we want to know everything about it. But it, but uh, but if, if Bigfoot has been able to elude us for this long, and appears to be more intelligent than we ever suspected he or she would be. By killing one, would we not be endangering the rest of the species and the rest of the researchers who might be out there if it was if it was known by other Bigfoot that we are now going looking for them, 
with the intent to kill? Quick answer, yes. Um, but unfortunately, you know, there are people that, you know, looking for that money, you yeah. know, they kill themselves a Bigfoot. Get, there's a big payoff to go with it. And, you know, they're famous for it, you know. Um, me, I, I just want to see it. I want to mm. look at it and I want to verify it's there. Um, I realize if I take pictures, they're probably scrutinized and I, I, I can live with that. Sure. But just the fact that to know the animal's there and just, you know, be able to study it as long as I can before, I, you know, it walks off or whatever. Um, uh, I would hate to see this animal, you know, die out. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it hasn't done anything to anybody. That's it, right. It keeps, pretty much keeps to itself. And, and, here's, and here's an interesting point that, you know, we've got to take our commercial break very shortly. What happens if Bigfoot is actually part or related to the human species? If somebody goes out and kills Bigfoot, is that a crime? You and I have to take our final break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about your new book, International Legend Tripping. Exonation, my guest this hour is Robert Robinson. Visit his Facebook webpage at facebook.com forward slash Robert Robinson Legend Tripper. This is the Exon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to uh, send me an email, it's the same email that I've had for the past 30 years doing this show, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. To find out about the broadcast schedule for the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Go to simultv.com, and in the search engine, just type in Exxon. It'll bring you right to our channel. I'll be back. Don't go away. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. And welcome back. Robert Robinson is my special guest. His Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Robert Robinson Legend Tripper. Robert, tell us about your new book, International Legend Tripping. Okay. Well, real quick, I wanted, Bob, I wanted to share something with you because I heard you talking about the In Search of show. Yeah. Uh, remember I told you in my bio I go to see The World of the Unexplained? Yes. Well, back there when I went in 1976, uh, talk, it was in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I talked my parents into letting us go in there. And when we got to the entrance, on the uh, at the entrance was a big TV, and in the TV was Leonard Nimoy, giving an introduction to World of the Unexplained. Wow. Later on, I made friends with Ed Meyer, one of the uh, directors over at Ripley's, and I told him all about it, and he gave me a copy of that video. Fascinating. Of Nimoy. Excellent. It is, isn't it? 
I just thought you'd, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But unfortunately, I can't put it on video because otherwise, uh, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy's family will probably, you know, take me to court. But anyway, uh, back to my book, International Legend Tripping. Yes. It's a sequel mm -hmm. to my first book, Legend Tripping, which is pretty much uh, grounded, or I should say, my first book pretty much deals with the United States and, and parts of Canada. Mm -hmm. Whereas my new book, International Legend Tripping, I have branched out to all over the world. I have been searching for legends and I can't begin to tell you how many Bigfoot type creatures that I found all over the world. And I mean, I was actually amazed how many I found. I mean, I realized when I went looking for the paranormal that there's going to be a lot of haunted places, especially in England, of course. I think. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, I did some uh, on aquatic creatures, and I just all of a sudden I found myself looking into about mermaid or mermaid or I should say aquatic humanoids legends, and I'm really surprised how many I found about that. I mean, it's actually been it's been really cool, you know, because when I did legend tripping, I pretty much knew a lot of the legends I was looking at. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, you know, I've actually you know doing research, I found so many of them, and I was like, man. If somebody just gave me the opportunity to, you know, say, hey, if I give you one wish to one wish only, I said, I want to go look for every place in this book that I'm looking, you know, I wrote about. Can you share some of the legends with us? Uh, well, you know, as far as the, um, you know, you know, I'll talk about some of the places up in, uh, you know, um, Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, you got Halifax Citadel, Fort George. Yes, Fort George. Which yeah. I thought was, you know, um, which I want to visit. You got mm -hmm. uh, Casa Loma in Toronto. Yes. Uh, you got the Carl Beck House in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, uh, you know, Canada goes with, um, you got the Windigo. Yes. Which does seem to, you know, I'm starting to lean toward more of the, uh, this actually might be a, a Bigfoot-type creature and that Native Americans may have just, I'm not going to say embellished. That's not that's not real. Uh, but, of course, um, the word Sasquatch actually originated out of Canada. You know, the Native Americans up in there actually started using it before it was used down here, which, believe it or not, it actually, the word Sasquatch gained fame in the United States when that show, The Six Million Dollar Man, came on. Believe right, when Andre the, Dry, Andre the Giant was actually in the Sasquatch uh, outfit. Yeah, before yeah. that it was pretty much just called Bigfoot, yeah. but after that it was called Sasquatch. But well, what's your what's your most favorite legend from your book? Yeah, there must be one that really stuck out. Hmm, that's a hard one because I really tell you, um, I think the one that I, I've uh, really been looking into is uh, over in uh, you know um, toward Malaysia and Indo, you know, and Sumatra and stuff. They all seem to have the Oran Pende. And I'm talking to Cliff Bereckman, which he wholeheartedly thinks there's something there. And even Josh Gates, who I talked to one time, said, you know, there's a lot of things I, you know, when I was doing my show that I really came out of there thinking, I don't think there's something there. The RM Pende, he really did think there is some kind of a primate type creature that mm -hmm. is out there, you know. And uh, I was really surprised to find the whole area, all the... All and the animal is all described as looking the same, so you know, people are obviously seeing something there. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, back in the uh, uh, 30s and 40s, a gentleman by the name of Frank Buck he used to go collect animals and bring them over to the states for the zoos, and he actually had a, a really 
an eight-foot orangutan-type creature. And, uh, you know, most orangutans rarely get over six foot, there, you know, and I'm wondering if he actually didn't have an orangpende. But unfortunately, the animal died on the on the boat ride oh, back no. to the United States, and they end up having to throw it overboard. That's what, fortunately yeah. what they did back then when the animal died on on boats, they threw them overboard. So I mean, I just you know, and me, you know, as a kid, I was a big I was a big fan of Frank Bucks. So and found that he actually may have had, you know actually had one in you know had one. It, it's just pretty cool. What do you think ever happened to the Mothman prophecies? You know, the the Mothman that that was uh, figured prominently for a for a little while, then all of a sudden kind of faded away. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of legends out there, and you know, the Mothman's one of them. The Jersey Devil, yeah, there's you know, another one. Yeah. Another one. Um, the Dover Demon is like seen once. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, if I was to come up with my own idea, I would think this animal maybe. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, extraterrestrial, you know, um, because, you know, there was some strange light seen prior to the uh, Mothman being seen, too. So do you, you think know? so do you think that there is a connection between ETs and some of these cryptids like I, we touched very briefly before on Bigfoot, but the other cryptids that are part of uh, urban legends? Is it possible that these creatures are actually from an ET origin? Uh, I think some of them are. Yeah. I mean, my own opinion, like the Dover Demon, uh, definitely. I mean, if you look at it, it almost looks like a, a you know ET from the movie. You know, uh, large head, large eyes, mm -hmm. small, slender body. Um, you know, you have the um, oh, there were some little creatures. I can't remember exactly where it was at up in Kentucky. Where they terrorized a family, and it was pretty much they attributed that to be an extraterrestrial. Uh, so yeah, I, I do think there are some animals that are some cryptids, as you would, that my, I think are extraterrestrial in, uh, in origin. Where is your book available? Is it out yet? My uh, no, internet, my international legend trip, and we're just finishing up now. The gentleman who's doing the cover is finishing up the cover. Mm -hmm. And we're still going through the final prints. And it's looking like we're going to have it out this summer. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, and where can people get copies of your first book? Uh, well, Legend Trip is, uh, my first book, Legend Trip and the Ultimate Adventure, is available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And it is available at my uh, publishing, uh, uh, Adventures Unlimited Press. And, of course, if you ever see me in one of these uh, conferences or, or conventions, I usually have my books, and I usually, you know, I'm there to sign them for anybody who brings them up to me. Excellent. Um, just before we go, what do you think the the likelihood of a Bigfoot being a a time traveler? I've also heard this new theory where he goes from dimension to dimension, and that's why we can never actually find him. Hmm. Well, it's the same concept of this animal being able to go into a different, you know, vortexes into different dimensions or mm -hmm. the ability, this animal has the ability to cloak itself. Right. And I'll be honest, my thinking initially is that this animal has this ability, wouldn't it be running this planet instead of us? Maybe it is. <laughs> what are your final thoughts for the Exo Nation tonight, Robert? Well, I tell you, the world is just full of the unexplained. And, uh, you know, like I said, I TV show In Search of started it all for me. One of the shows that started it yeah. for me. Um, if you want to go out and look, I encourage everybody to get out there and go legend tripping. There, It's easy to do. 
get out there, you know, go on the internet and find out the closest legend out there. I mean, it doesn't have to be cryptids. It could be, the, you know, paranormal, UFO, or just some place that has unexplained, you know, places like Gravity Hills or Ghost Lights. And just make sure you're safe about it. And when, like I said, if you're going to the woods, always make sure you go with somebody. So what's next for you? You've got two books under your belt. Uh, what's next? Well, I... I I, I'm also doing a book about the skunk ape, oh. but I've kind of I've, I ran into a bit of a snag. I found a gentleman who says he has some of Ramona Clark's stuff, but unfortunately, he kind of he thought I was an FBI. He's one of those UFO conspiracy, and for some strange reason, he thought I was a, an FBI agent, and uh, just he was ready. You know, he just got oh, I believe you're one of those guys and all that. And I was almost at that point where I was going to look at him and say, you know what, you're right, I am the FBI. You better give me that information right now or I'm going to have a van come pick you up right now. But I said, no, I'm not going to do that. But I said, no, I'm not with the FBI. I just want to get as much information. I'm trying to find information that hasn't been published about right. the skunk. Robert, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Continued success. And one more time, let our listeners know what your Facebook's, uh, Facebook page is. It's, uh, Facebook is uh, Robert Robinson, Legend Tripper. I have a blog called Legend Trippers of America. Robert, take care of yourself. Happy hunting, my friend. Thank you again. Hey, thank you for having me on the show. I had a great time. It's my great pleasure. Take care, sir. All right, Exonation, that's Robert Robinson. And once again, if you'd like to uh, visit his Facebook page, Robert Robinson, Legend Tripper. That's facebook.com forward slash Robert Robinson, Legend Tripper. Well, it's that time where you and I have to say so long for this hour, but you know what? We're going to be back because we have something in store for you each and every night here. We have th four different guests each and every night, and I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton. Whoa, not Hamilton. Mm. Still saying Hamilton after being nearly, what, five months, Craig, here in Niagara. Well, that's because we were in Hamilton for nearly... What, 25 years? Yeah. I'll be back. I know where I am. Here in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.